Bonjour, hi, I'm Pascal Auclair. I hope this talk supports you in your practice. J'espère que cet enseignement vous sera aidant. If you'd like to support my teaching, you can use the donate button underneath my picture on Dharma Seed. Vous pouvez me soutenir en cliquant sur le bouton sous ma photo. Your support is greatly appreciated. Merci. There's a, something I started to saying, I think, on the first Dharma talk. That was Saturday, I think. <laughs> And Lynn uh, reminded Friday. me that... Huh? Friday. Fri oh, Friday, yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, Sunday, Saturday, Friday. Um, Lynn reminded me that I started something and I didn't uh, finish it. Huh? Like I said, there's three, and then I often do that. Then I named one, and then I got my arborescent mind <laughs> went off. And so, and most of you didn't notice, so it's probably fine. And... Um, I remember, I'm just having a little memory of uh, decades ago, uh, I was, uh, I was uh, acting in a Shakespeare play, I can't remember the, which one now, but uh, I had a long monologue, it was in rhymes, you know, I had a long monologue of a fight that my character was having, I was pretending to have had with the lion, and it was this long thing, it was very, very long, and at the very end of the monologue, Somehow I mixed the rhyme and I made I made I said one of the first line again. <laughs> and I just thought, oh my god, I've got to do the whole monologue again because <laughs> there's no way out of this. <laughs> so I just did the whole thing again, and I, I'm pretty sure not many people noticed. <laughs> They were just following along. <laughs> so anyway, what I was uh, going to say is. Uh, about these uh, four Brahma-viharas, or these four qualities of the, um, the heart. Maybe at this point you can't hear the word heart or friendliness anymore. <laughs> It's like, do not even say that word, you know, I cannot stand it. <laughs> But uh, anyway, the teaching says that there's three ways to engage with, with them. And I started by telling you to reflect on them, and then I proceeded to talk to you about my grandmother. <laughs> Maybe And saying that uh, to reflect on the effect that uh, uh, these qualities have in our life when they're present or absent or when we've met them or when they're there in communities or in relationship how so um, yeah so to reflect and to take time thinking about this because what we ponder upon frequently will become the tendency or the habit of our mind this is the field we'll be in You know, there's a field of resentment or a field of uh, worry, planification, and there's a field of uh, thinking about uh, kindness and these qualities. And uh, one of the ways, classic ways to reflect on them is to reflect on the benefits of metta and, for example, the dangers of, um, of uh, anger and hatred. And so, just for your enjoyment... Should I start with the benefits of metta or the dangers of dosa, of uh, anger and ill will? Well, here, hatred, it says, it's, uh, it creates inner devastation. Uh, um, 
burning, its, its function is to break things, break experience, break relationship, break, uh, as the opposite of uh, meta that is uh, cohesive, it creates cohesion and is refreshing and cooling. We talked about this. But uh, hatred and anger, uh, when it's active, you don't know anymore what is good, what is bad. It's things get blurry, you know, and so you can say something that feels like the good thing to say, and later you say, oh, that was the bad thing to say, yeah? And uh, you even, and that, that's in the classic text, it says you don't even know what is legal or not anymore. You could hit somebody, you know, in anger, not knowing that it's actually illegal <laughs> to hit somebody, or, you know, something like that. You don't know what is true or false, you know, what really happened or not. You, your mind can trick you in, in saying what, what happened. What is the cause and what the, is the effect? It gets all blurry there. So there's confusion. There's multiplication of enemies, risk of making several mistakes or big mistakes. Lose dignity, lose friends. Uh, one becomes a slave to anger under its spell. The risk of losing appetite, sleep. Uh, the risk of paying fines, receiving punishment. Uh, one becomes the prey to confusion, torment of the mind. There's remorse, agitation, shame, resentment comes with that tension, uh, tension, physical and in, in, interpersonal tensions. It's true, no? Do you recognize this? It's amazing. And we still give into it sometimes, maybe silently. <laughs> You see my cold shoulder here. <laughs> this is what you get today. <laughs> and uh, when it, when they talk about the benefits of metta, this is very classic from a very old text. It says, uh, when you have uh, metta accessible in your life, you will fall asleep easily, you will sleep easily, and you will wake up refreshed. This is the promise there. Uh, people will love you and uh, animals will love you, and angels, devas, that's in the, we're really like in the Buddhist cosmology here, devas will love you. It makes me think of um, uh, the first time I practiced in Thailand, there was a, one monk that was there, and he was always like very cheery and bubbly and kind of floating or even like bump, bumping, what would be the word, like he was... <laughs> And he was his main practice was metta, and he was always saying this. He was like, "You do metta, the <laughs> people will love you, animals will love you, you know, and <laughs> and, uh, and the chicken will love you." <laughs> and he was saying this. It was it's it pretty good for me to see this that uh, this guy and other other people there they they had these little uh, kuti or hut, very small. And they slept on this, uh, s uh, you know, uh, ground with um, this little mattress that uh, some of us use sometimes when we go to the beach. You know, you unroll this little. And then uh, one one of the monks was very happy to show me that he had a pillow, which was actually a lug, a piece <laughs> of wood. You know, <laughs> and I was thinking, wow, there's something that is happening in these minds. You know that there's some freedom, and they they kind of got that the freedom and the happiness is in the mind, not in the condition so much. I don't know, but um, and I remember when also another monk that I met, a Burmese monk, many years after, he was telling me that uh, 
he had been bitten by a scorpion, and he said that uh, when the scorpion uh, bet, beat, beat, bit, bit, bit him, he was. Uh, he said he started shouting at the scorpion. Don't you know I do better? You're supposed to. He said he didn't. <laughs> so. He has to work on his better a little bit more. <laughs> anyway, it says here in this classic text also that poisons and weapons won't, uh, and fire won't harm you, and your uh, and your complexion will be uh, clear. Your face will be clear, and this uh, you see in this text when you read uh, right after his enlightenment, his awakening. The Buddha stayed for several weeks to just enjoy the fruit of his practice, probably. And then he decided, I think I told you this, he decided to go and uh, talk to his uh, former um, um, spiritual friends, to talk to them. And, and there's one story where, where it says he, he uh, leaves the Bodhi tree where he was, the area with the river, to go. Uh, he has to walk for, for walk for many days to reach his friends. But the first person he met in the text Apparently, the first person he met says to him, you know, in the path, you can imagine two people coming like this, and this person says to the Buddha, who who are you? Who, are you a human, or you're, are you an angel? Because, man, your face is glowing. <laughs> you know, like, like your complexion is really good. <laughs> and the Buddha told him, I am, I'm awake. I'm, uh, I'm awake. And apparently, that was not... Like there was not sufficient teachings, like <laughs> the guy left. <laughs> so he had to build some kind of a pedagogy, you know, around, <laughs> around his teaching. But they say that was the kind of first, first uh, encounter he had, and the person was struck by the, by the, by their complexion. So you might do this to, you know, for your complexion. <laughs> And it says that the mind will be serene uh, at the time of uh, death, that before death the mind will be at peace, and that the, the, the person will die without confusion and calm. And uh, yeah, so some of the little classic benefits of this practice. So to re- anyway, in this way or in another way, to reflect on it and... Uh, and the other ways to meditate, like we did, so cultivate it from the inside, so s- getting the felt sense of this caring quality. Of, uh, and so we've done a lot of this. But in life also, for me, the, the meditation is on the cushion, but in life also to actually become extraordinarily attentive or just a little bit more attentive or very conscious when someone else when it's from the external and in the teaching there's always this uh, invitation see this internally and see this externally and one way to understand this uh, this uh, phrase that comes a lot in the teaching please practice see this see the the qualities of the heart see the tightness of the heart see the anger in inwardly and outwardly or externally is the expression that is used is to actually become aware of this in other beings. So when in your regular life there is this little generosity, this little kindness, 
in any ways that it shows up to actually wake up to it, wake up to its presence, not bypass it, not miss it, you know, because that's a way to strengthen it, to say like, how? That person was really nice, you know. I see this often, I get to, I want to pay for something somewhere, I'm a little confused with my change or with the tip or with the, you know, something, you know, I can get my card out or, oh, uh, I went to make a little deposit uh, before we came to the retreat and I had these rolls of uh, cents and I get to the teller and, uh, oh, Anne, you're there, I told you. <laughs> so I get to the teller and I, I, Anne was giving me a ride and I said, uh, will you wait a few seconds? I have to go deposit these rolls of $2 and $1 from the... Anyway, and I, I get there and I, I do like this and the roll of five cents explodes. <laughs> You know, so it goes on the teller, on the side, uh, on their side of the counter, uh, in the computer and things, and in front of me, and on the floor, in the sludge. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, oh. <laughs> and, uh, and I don't know what the teller said, something that was really cute, like just the right thing, so I felt comfortable, you know. she. I, I can't remember what she said, it was a little intelligent, quick line, you know, about five cents, you know, and, and it was just perfect, you know, because then I could actually just, you know, and then, and I could see also I was checking and I could see like, she's happy about this, this didn't hinder her day, you know, she's happy because she had the good response, so now she's happy about it, it's a good thing for her because she's, she's happy about herself, you know, she feels good that she was helpful instead of being, uh, making it more difficult, and that's what touched me is like wow she made her own day better because of me spilling all the five cents you know all over the place and so that it lies in these little things a lot uh, our freedom and our so to reflect on this to meditate on it to to be meditate means m- be mindful of it in in the formal posture or in bringing it to mind. This is what we call the, uh, you know, or the way I sit is I remove my ordinary glasses of how I see the world, what I want, and and I put on the Dharma lenses where I'm looking at where is uh, kindness? Where, what are the qualities of mind that are here? Oh, here this judgment in here or there. It makes thi- it breaks things apart. It makes things harder, you know, to wake up to that. Not in a judging way, in a factual way. Oh, I can feel that, how it's co- it creates cohesion or it breaks things. Oh, you know? And then you can have the vipassana joy. So if you see that somebody's a little edgy with you and you see that it actually does break things apart, then you can, there's a kind of joy that can come. It's like, wow. Amazing! It's true. It does. I see it. It's said in the teaching, and I see it. It's true. It breaks things apart. So you're not so, you know. Instead of like, why do people are like this? You know, you don't. Oh, this is how it is. How can I have the appropriate response now? You know, instead of blaming or. And then, um, I mean, it's how things we probably do already, but maybe renaming it and then the last one which sometimes is actually the first uh, guide the first uh, uh, suggestion about how to work with these is to make these brahma viharas these qualities of mind of balance 
mind, compassion and uh, caring and the joy, make these qualities the guidelines for our actions and speech. That is my action based in one of these. Am I talking with balance or reactivity? Am I talking with kindness? Am I talking with compassion? Am I acting in compassion? I'm about to do this. Is Would that fit in one of the four or not? You know, that might be interesting to use that framing to look at uh, activities and uh, speech. And again, it's a practice. Of course, we're going to forget, you know, and or it might not be the way you want to go about things, but that's a suggestion here. Yeah, so metta, or loving-kindness, friendliness, compassion, it's related to the difficult, compassion, and then when it's related to success or joy, or appreciation, it's joy, mudita is the word that we like a lot in Pali, it has a, it has a ring to it, mudita. And then equanimity is the, the heart, or the mind, you can drop heart if you want, just the mind that is balanced, the, the inner experience, the way to be able to hold reality in a way that it doesn't go to extremes of envy, jealousy, comparing, uh, despair. You know. Okay, and you can read about uh, these. I, I, I made a little. Um, no, I didn't make it. Somebody else made made this. There's a list anyway, a list of books and things you can, so you could look at it. Maybe we'll put it on the board. Uh, I just found it this morning. So, Okay. Are there questions about this or anything else in the practice that we've done, Sharon? And yesterday you, were, um, you had mentioned at the retreat, I think you said this. I think I heard this. Correct me if I'm wrong. That uh, sets a certain condition where patterns, you know, tend to visit us or revisit us, and we're washed over by all kinds of things, you know, when we least expect it. Um, why did I hear you say that? <laughs> yeah. Sorry. <laughs> like, does does all of this mindfulness create a condition for? stuff that come out of nowhere? Uh, I guess is my first question. Yes. Can I answer the first okay, one? Because yes, I'm not please. so good at it. <laughs> <laughs> you take me by the hand step by step. So, actually, mindfulness is the condition uh, for wisdom to arise for and for all the other qualities that we've been talking about and the calm to arise and so mindfulness is it's known in the teaching to be the, the condition and sometimes we think it's very passive you know like being attentive it's it's not, it's kind of passive thing but actually in the buddhist psychology it's not passive at all it's extremely active it's very participative so it's a new condition in the mind before i'm mindless or you know i'm just doing things in an automatic way the patterns play themselves out. You know, there's a pattern, a habit of worry, or there's a habit of judging, or a habit of uh, self-deprecation, and it just will... And so when one brings in attention, it's going to be revealed. But then there's a choice point that happens, is that one can discover that's not the best way to be uh, with this, you know. 
So there's a ch- wisdom can come in, and one can choose to follow the pattern or not. And if there's a recognition that oh, it's actually a pattern, there's a pattern of generosity or there's a pattern of kindness here, then it can reinforce it. It's like oh, it it's automatic. There's this, there's a lot of kindness in this being. Wow, you can appreciate it. So I was not saying that being mindful will make the chaos arise, but it will make it be known. <laughs> So maybe that's, I don't know if it answers. And the other question I have is, what can we expect after the retreat? Anything in particular? Like, is there something that's common that happens to people when they come out of the retreat? Yeah. Um, I mean, the whole range of possibilities, really. And it's possible that we're a little bit more sensitive. So it means that irritation can come more easily, maybe, you know. Uh, It might not, you know, but, um, yeah, often there's a little bit more sensitivity after a retreat. might be the case for you or not, you know. So that is one thing. Sometimes we have grand ideas also. I mean, it could happen to a... Sometimes we're like, oh, I'm going to change this in my life, and we tend to say, wait a few days, you know, like... You know, take notice of that, but give it a little time before you, you know, do whatever you do, big changes in life. So this is some of the things I can say. Another thing I can say now also is that uh, integration is very important. We, we consider generally in this practice of retreat that half of the time of the retreat is as, that follows the retreat is as important as the, as the retreat itself. Because if one, if you find some values in what was done here, then as you leave here, it's good to make a clear um, intention to actually start integrating, seeing where it can arise, how, you know. Because otherwise one can go right back in the habit. The habits that we have have a lot of momentum. They have a lot more credit than the practice we've done this weekend, you know. Although sometimes there's something transformative that happens, the habits have a lot of momentum. It's the brain is wired in a way that it can, it will easily go back to what it knows, you know, the ways it knows. So, uh, and again, the integration is probably several months after the retreats. The impacts that this can have, and I think it's going to vary for everybody, the way it shows. You know, some of you might be excited to be going back home, can't wait to be out of here. Mm-hmm. And uh, I've certainly felt that at times. And some people might think like, oh, I'm f- I have fear. Like, I don't want to go back to my situation. This, I don't trust myself. Or I don't trust the people around me. Or I don't trust the, something like this. You know, So one has to be very kind to oneself. Sometimes I remember after these retreats, I would... I would, uh, at the last, at around this time, I would just go in the woods and kind of cry. And, like, I would think, don't let me out. You know, I'm, I'm, I, I know that I have so many patterns that are hurtful to myself and others. You know, I, don't let me go. I'm not ready to be released. <laughs> like, I'm going to create so much trouble out there, you know. And uh, I don't know. Now I have a little bit more confidence that it's... 
I can be a member of society, a loose member of society. <laughs> yeah, thanks. So maybe this this is a big one, you know, and maybe we shouldn't work with the evil, the most evil people on <laughs> earth, right? Like take them as an example for for, for working through this <laughs> understanding because it it arises a lot, it, it brings a lot of, uh, it's very charged for us. No, but I'm not just talking about. It. I'm talking about somebody that that cre- has created mm-hmm. a lot of hurt and suffering yeah. in someone's life. Yeah. Uh, is this um, you know, for for yourself, are you saying, okay, this is a way to to find some inner peace in oneself? Mm-hmm. By, by um, I mean, are we supposed to just forgive all the the suffering? Yeah, the forgiveness. The forgiveness is um, is. Um, I mean, it's a whole practice, huh? so it's like I'm not going to. F- it's probably not going to be fixed with a few words, but just uh, s- still to go there and explore this a little bit. The forgiveness, my understanding is, is to release this heart that is stuck with hatred. Hatred is really hard to. It's stressful, you know. It's hard for the immune system. It's hard for the heart. It's hard for the peace of mind, you know. If there's somebody that we keep outside of our heart with uh, active hatred, it's very, very demanding. It, you, you know, you're, one is, uh, one is uh, inhabited, is, you know, is held hostage in a way, you know. And so the work of forgiveness, the way I see it, is an inner work. One does that for themselves, to release themselves, you know, mainly. And so, and when there is forgiveness, it doesn't mean that the things that were done were not done. There can be, in my mind, there can be a lot of clarity about what was done and what was hurtful without the hatred. But it's a practice. It's a, it can be a long path, maybe. Um, and so, one of the ways to do this, maybe, is to try to see if there can be some loosening up to do between a person, an image of a person, and the hurt, you know, and to recognize that, that's my way to talk about this now, is that this this person, there was this action that was done, or several action, or patterning that was, that is there, <coughs> it's, it was, it's based in confusion, it's based in, uh, qualities of mind like greed and hatred or cruelty these are extremely unwholesome extremely damaging qualities 
and there might be a way where we can release this from the person, the, the complete fusion of the two. That's why yesterday, I don't know if you were there, but we, there was this, can you see this person as a baby, as a newborn, you know? In this, the only reason to do that is to highlight the fragility of beings, the vulnerability of being, you know, and that there's the change is in action. This person, as they were an infant, were, were not, if you were with them, were not some, some, but something you would want to destroy or hurt. It would be something you would want to take care of and attend to. And it's a, also a recognition in there, there that the, we, are, we are conditioned beings. Things happen in our life. Brain, brain chemistry, there's many conditions that make somebody be evil, let's say. It's, it's, it's not like people are entity and they're separate from the rest of the world and they exist in a, again in a vacuum. It's, things have happened to them. Things were said to them. Their brain functions in a certain way. There's something, some chemicals may be lacking in there, that there's no empathy. There's, it's very complex things. And so to actually zero in on somebody and hate them for what they've done in my sense is a little deluded and I can do this to myself there's things that I've done in the past that were hurtful I think I can forgive there's a work of forgiveness that can be done realizing wow this was so harmful to say that that was really led by cynicism or greed or desire for vengeance that was extremely ugly state of mind and it led to doing this or saying this is that really me? No, it's not really me. I did it. I can own it. You know, I can be responsible for it. But I, I don't have to dis- define myself by that. But I can be really awake and say, that was really harmful. You know? And in this way, I can find peace with my life. And if there's something I can do, I can, you know, pick up the phone and say, hey, that was not the best thing to do. You know? And in this way, I feel I can be even more responsible than if I identify. If I identify, I don't want to hear about it. I'll say, it's not me, you're crazy, you're hysterical, you're, you know. I never did that, I never said that, you know. Because it's too hard to own, because it defines me. If it doesn't have to define me, then I'm a little bit more free to say, like, wow, it was done. There was a lot of confusion, or there was a lack of attention to what was really happening, you know. And so I think we can apply this to somebody else and say, wow, there's a, to do a thing like this, there has to be a lot of confusion. Probably it's easier to, better to hate the confusion than to hate a person. You know? And again, total uh, independence, in the, like, it might not fit for you, it might, might not be the way you want to see things, or it might not seem useful in any way. So... Uh, so I think that's how I would put it for now. Yeah, maybe a last question and we'll sit. Okay. <laughs> One is, I'm just wondering um, if there's going to be any availability of the recordings of your Dharma talks and of meditations. Yeah. Um, these uh, these will be posted on uh, Dharma Seed. So there's this website called Dharma Seed. And on this you have thousands, literally, of uh, teachings and talks. And 
and and so from many many teachers, and if, so if you go on there and on the search engine or through a True North website, you can find these talks. Uh, all the things that were recorded will be there available. Yeah, and you can the usefulness of this website also if you connect with these kinds of teachings is that you can search by theme also so you could search forgiveness like I'm intrigued what is that thing about forgiveness you know and then you might hear a few talks on that and it might help your own personal reflection around this you know, or any other subject you know. did you say Dharma C like the letter C or C no, like a like a seed that you plant. Seed. Ah, yeah. Thank you. And um, yeah. And maybe uh, I just have this idea now. Before the, maybe we could do a little uh, practice of, um, of forgiveness uh, here. Uh, just, it's a classic thing to do at the end of a retreat. It's not exactly the end, but just because we're talking about it, that's the right thing to do, but we'll do it anyway. And so it says that, um, you know, when we gather like this uh, to consider, you know, wisdom and and compassion and all this, it's... It, it's good when the community comes together uh, in peace and practices in peace and leaves uh, in peace. But um, it's possible that living as a community, even just for f- three or four days like this, that things can be done that are have hurt. You know, like I may have said something that was hurtful to you. It's very possible. Sometimes it's intentional. Sometimes it's unintentional. Or you might have done things that hurt somebody else here that maybe intentionally or unintentionally it's things that can happen we're fragile and we're uh, you know we're unconscious sometimes of the effect of our actions and I mean there's all kinds of things that can happen and so one of the practices that we do is that we take just a moment to stop here and in this uh practice of forgiveness, it's done in three ways. And the first way is that I think and I reflect upon the fact that I might have hurt you. And so you think also that you might, it's possible that you might have hurt somebody in some ways. And the way to think about it is I might have hurt one of you intentionally or unintentionally through my uh, actions or my words or my thoughts even. And I'd like to ask forgiveness for that. And there might be things that come to mind that were not the best thing to do or not. Just to... Let this be in the field of awareness. So I ask for your forgiveness if I hurt you in any way. And then another part is to uh, offer forgiveness. So you could think if anyone of you uh, 
has hurt me here uh, this weekend through actions or thoughts or speech, I would like to extend forgiveness or to the, to the, to the extent possible I would like to offer forgiveness right now. And things might come to your mind or not of things that you disliked or you didn't feel appropriate. And then the last bit of the practice is to think for oneself, I'd like to extend forgiveness to myself for the ways that I might have uh, hurt myself or hurt others, let myself down or let others down. And you might think even now, extend it to other moments of your life or areas of your life. For all the ways that I uh, betrayed myself or betrayed others, let myself down or others down, recognizing that it's probably done in fear or confusion or confusion of greed or anger. So I'd like to forgive myself for this, for this humanness, for this messiness of I. Sometimes we can't forgive somebody else or forgive ourselves, but we can think, I have the intention to forgive. Not to forget, but to forgive, to bring ease to the heart around something that is sticky, sticking in there. There was one uh, very wise being who said once, uh, something like, I'm paraphrasing here, but if we knew the secret stories of our enemies, we would find in there so much sorrow that it would probably make us uh, fall on our knees and forgive. I think it's the same for ourselves too. So now that we've done that, maybe we can just <coughs> go into the sitting here, to the meditation practice.
Last year I met uh, a monk, uh, Ajahn Analayu, and he was uh, sharing about his metta practice. And I'd like to explore this with you today. It's a very simple practice. saying, I just sit down. And I see if I can uh, open up a field of uh, friendliness in front of me. My whole body of imagining or feeling a sense of a creating a field in front of me, a field of uh, caring. During the meditation, it's better not to write, put pen and pencil down, please. Let's do it. It's very in line with the first discourse of the Buddha on loving-kindness. He says, um, one should radiate kindness uh, in all directions. So, let's create a field of openness, maybe, in front of you. being aware of the space in front of you, the relaxation of your body, it might be a happy space or a compassionate space or an open space, however it feels to you. See if you want to also open that field to the back of you, behind you. Maybe just near you or further or as far as you want or can feel or imagine. the sides also, so all around, front, back, and sides, friendly space,
We're in all directions in a way, to the north and south, and east and west. And as the Buddha says also, or suggests, radiating kindness over the entire world, spreading upwards to the sky, so above also, opening just above the head, the crown. It can be extremely simple. Spreading upwards to the sky, and downwards to the depths, so below. In all directions, Experience a sphere of metta or non harming, non violence, non hatred, that simple. Can be an empty space, maybe a black, benevolent space, velvety, maybe a bright space. Beings might appear in there or not. It can be just a lot of spaciousness, or you might feel the presence through memory or thoughts, impressions of people who might come and visit that space for a few seconds. The people who are here now in this room, or the animals of the land, or the cooks. Or no one. In the middle of that space, there is you this being that you know so well, very much part of that space of caring.
can continue inhabiting this space or just the space of your body. Whatever is there. Allow it to be there without rejecting or trying to improve. feel into the power of this presence and the subtlety of it the balance in there the joy or care or anything else the tiredness in there that field of experience or the agitation Whatever wholesome qualities of mind is there, as the bell rings, if it can be a 
welcome to stay alive can be stay present as you start uh, maybe shifting the posture opening the eyes the presence or the softness whatever you can recognize that is uh, liberating or beneficial So we'll do a last uh, walking session. We'll meet back here at uh, 10.30.